the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The FAA slowly comes back online after a massive technical delay caused cancellations and delays. He's had transportation crisis after crisis. (laughs) Additional classified documents have been found in Joe Biden's possession from his time as vice president. We can't avoid the fact that the information that they that they handle can be very damaging if it falls into the wrong hand. The world's largest asset management firm, BlackRock, is set to lay off 500 employees. Grapple with surging inflation and rising interest rates that have really eroded the price of assets in the market. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, January 12th. I'm Mike Scott. On Wednesday, for the first time since 9-11, the FAA experienced a massive outage, grounding all planes until 9 a.m. Eastern Time. While the White House has stated there is no evidence of a cyber attack, there is still little to go on when it comes to discerning the cause of the outage. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg responded to questions from reporters saying he's focused on making sure the outage doesn't happen again. A government system, we're going to own it, we're going to find it, and we're going to fix it. Uh, In this case, we had to make sure that there was complete confidence about the safety of flight operations, which is why there was the conservative but important step uh, to have that pause and make sure everything was back up and running. But as you can imagine, my top priority right now, now that the system is working again as of about 9 this morning, is to understand the root cause, understand how it could have led to this level of disruption, and understand how to make sure that it does not happen again. Buttigieg says that clearly the main issue for the FAA is a technical one. I think this gives us a really important data point and a really important moment uh, to understand what we're going to need moving forward. Uh, But obviously our more immediate focus is technical, understanding exactly how this happened, uh, why the redundancies and the backups that were built into the system were not able to prevent the level of disruption that we saw today, and to make sure that we have 100% clarity on any and all steps that are needed so that it can't happen again. Despite the Transportation Secretary's reassurances, Growing chorus of critics point to what they see as a series of major transportation disruptions that have occurred on Pete Buttigieg's watch. News Nation's Leland Vittert says that this isn't the first time technical and staffing issues have grounded large swaths of air traffic. For the first time since 9-11, the FAA grounded every flight at every American airport and every flight headed to the United States from international airports. It's called a full ground stop. It wasn't because of a terrorist attack or a threat of a terrorist attack, but rather an FAA system error, and it's not the first one of the year. The issue today caused at least 9,000 delays, 1,200 cancellations. Last week, a radar outage in Miami led to 8,500 delays and 770 cancellations. Over the July 4th weekend, 
Airlines delayed 14,000 flights and canceled 1,400 more because of staffing issues at the FAA Jacksonville Center. Vitter points out that government agencies like the FAA are increasingly at fault for major nationwide failures. These are all FAA screw-ups. This is not about the weather or about anything other than the FAA. It is not about the airlines. And now the same government officials who can't wait to fine airlines, and Southwest in particular, when they mess up, are the cause of a massive failure that disrupted travel nationwide. The FAA, of course, isn't the only government agency letting us down while fining and holding private businesses to account. We've talked ad nauseum about the shortcomings at the FDA, the same agency that messed up the baby formula shortage, monkeypox testing and vaccines, keeping kids safe from nicotine, and shortages of children's Tylenol. I could go on. President Biden addressed the FAA issue Wednesday before leaving the White House, saying he has been briefed by the Transportation Secretary, who told him they had still not identified what went wrong. Republican House Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona says he's not surprised that Buttigieg has no idea what happened with the FAA outage. I'm not surprised. It's unpleasant that I have to say that, but I'm not surprised that he doesn't know anything because that's consistent with how he's handled any kind of question or issue that we've had in our transportation sector since he became secretary. But what's chilling about this today, Brian, is, is the fact that this is happening. It's been going on. We've known about it apparently overnight, and he has no idea what happened or how they're going to fix it and how long it's going to last. That, that is a, an enormous impact on our economy and travelers today. Fox News' Kennedy points out that under Pete Buttigieg, the FAA has seen one crisis after another. No, there it, it's. It, I, I kind of almost feel bad for Pete Buttigieg because he's had transportation crisis after crisis, <laughs> which so normally true. doesn't happen with the Secretary of Transportation. Normally no one knows who the Secretary of Transportation <laughs> so is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, it's been literally one thing after another, and the biggest ones have involved the airlines. And, you know, he's one of those people who talks a big game like, oh, I've been on the phone with them, like, really working this out, mm-hmm. but never does anything, never addresses those mysterious root causes that we hear so much about <laughs> from the administration. Administration, and then also has the gall to lecture us on going green and making sacrifices and riding his bike for a couple of blocks like a brave eco-warrior. <laughs> then at the same time, he's taken a private jet to New York. Last I checked, there's about 1,700 flights from D.C. to New York that you cannot, they call them shuttles. They're not even like <laughs> planes. They're, they're flying buses. And he could get on one of those and help save the planet, but apparently he hates her. Aides to President Biden have found another batch of classified documents located in a place other than the Penn-Biden Center. When asked about this new batch of documents, White House spokesperson Corinne Jean-Pierre dodged the question, saying that she would not add anything to what the president has already stated. I'm not going to get into details. I'm not going to get beyond what the president shared yesterday. According to new reports, the set of documents were found after aides started looking in other locations that the president may have used in the past. This new batch is in addition to the earlier reported batch found in November at the Penn-Biden Center in Washington, D.C. Andrew McCarthy is a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and a National Review contributing editor. 
He joined the Salem Radio Network and explains the different levels of classified documents. Some information in the government that is classified should not be classified. And then other information, uh, it's interesting that in that clip you just played, Biden talked about compromising sources and methods. That's stuff that's classified at a level that's known as SCI, which means sensitive compartmentalized information. And what that means is uh, it's got to be held at a higher level of security because it refers to uh, sensitive sources of secret intelligence or methods for gathering intelligence. I mention that because it's been widely reported that the documents that were in Biden's office were SCI, at least some of them. Uh, So for him to uh, express shock about that in connection with Trump, uh, I don't think he gets a pass to, to sort of slough it off in connection with him. McCarthy explains that many people in high-level government positions use classified informations for their jobs and are required to move around a lot, but it's still imperative the information is kept safe. I think as a practical matter, this ends up becoming a gotcha for people who are you know, president, vice president, secretary of state, head of the CIA, because their entire workload is chock-a-block with highly classified information, and yet they're in positions where they have to move around from place to place, and they're on duty all the time. So that's why I think this comes up again and again and again. It's probably why people don't get get prosecuted, but we can't avoid the fact that the information that they that they handle – in a less than careful manner, which seems to me to be inevitable, uh, can be very damaging if it falls into the wrong hands. McCarthy believes that the reason we're hearing about these documents now is because the White House is trying to get in front of the new committees being formed by House Republicans. I think we found out about this now because the new Congress just started. And now we have new committees, so they're going to be demanding you know, information and uh, briefings and, and the like. So there was no way they were going to be able to keep this bottled up any longer. Otherwise, I think what they'd normally have done is like, you know, put it out at Christmas or some other time when nobody's paying attention. But I think they just decided to sit on it as long as they, as a practical matter, could. But once you have a new Congress up and running and they, you know, start making demands on the intelligence community, they weren't going to be able to keep this bottled up forever. The Pentagon has ended its COVID-19 vaccine mandate for troops, as we hear from our Daybreak Insider in Washington, correspondent Norman Hall. The Pentagon formally dropped its COVID-19 vaccination mandate, but a new memo signed by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin also gives commanders some discretion in how or whether to deploy troops who are not vaccinated. Austin's memo had been widely anticipated ever since legislation signed into law on December 23rd gave him 30 days to rescind the mandate. Austin's memo says the department will continue to promote and encourage COVID-19 vaccinations for all service members. The contentious political issue forced more than 8,400 troops out of the military for refusing to obey a lawful order when they declined to get the vaccine. Norman Hall, Washington. The House of Representatives voted Tuesday to create a select committee on the Chinese Communist Party and its influence in big tech, among other industries. Incoming Select Committee Chairman Mike Gallagher tells the Salem Radio Network what surprised him about the vote to create the select committee. 
I think the big takeaway from the floor proceedings yesterday was the fact that we got an overwhelming bipartisan vote of support for the committee. It was 365 to 65. Uh, so it means most of the Democrats actually voted for it. Gallagher says he was glad Democrats backed the bill to create a committee to counter the strategic activities of China. I think listening to the floor debate, you saw um, a lot of Democrats that uh, even those who are somewhat concerned that this would somehow go off the rails ultimately came down in favor. Uh, They expressed recognition of the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party. Gallagher says he was happy to get the input from Speaker Kevin McCarthy on the creation of a select committee to counter activities of the CCP. Speaker McCarthy, you saw in his comments, very much was sincere in wanting this to be a bipartisan uh, effort and said a few things that I think are, are noteworthy. The Wisconsin congressman says the U.S. government and businesses must find a way to stop investing in ventures that aid China's government. One, that the era of wishful thinking on China is over and that certain things are obvious, such as the fact that ESG benefits the CCP. So that's an indication that we are going to have a very, at times, difficult but hopefully productive conversation with the financial community about how we prevent ourselves from subsidizing communist genocide. The world's largest asset management firm, BlackRock, is cutting 500 jobs in its first round of layoffs since early 2019. The company's assets have declined by about $8 trillion in the third quarter of 2022, that according to the firm's earning reports. Bloomberg's Sally Bakewell explains exactly what is going on with BlackRock and why they are cutting jobs. BlackRock, it cut um, less than 3% of its nearly 20,000 strong workforce as surging, as in asset manage, managers like it grapple with surging inflation and rising interest rates that have really eroded the price of assets in the market. Now, this feeds into a broader trend um, on Wall Street that's causing staffers a lot of uncertainty and anxiety. Um, banks have gone into a sort of retrenchment mode. Um, we saw that Goldman Sachs, it started cutting staff um, and is targeting about 3,200 layoffs Um, just this week. um, Morgan Stanley, Credit Suisse and Barclays, they've all either announced that they plan to lay off staff or have laid off staff, all amid these economic uncertainties, which are really casting a bit of a shadow over earnings, which they start reporting on Friday. Bakewell goes on to say that many banks are staring down a possible recession and it's causing unease in the financial markets. On the one hand, they're poised to report this record level of net interest income, which is the biggest source of um, income for banks. And they're expecting uh, $59 billion in NII. They're expecting a trading haul of about $22 billion. Um, Loan losses are likely to be low, and the consumers remain in relatively good health. But on the flip side, um, they are staring at this possible recession. And that positive impact from interest rate rates that they saw the benefit of last year, that's going to start to recede. And of course, we all know um, that the the market for mergers and acquisitions and deals has really slumped and they're looking at about a 51% drop in business activity there. So there is a lot to um, be concerned about and we'll be looking for their outlook um, when they start reporting. 
Some state governments as well have begun divesting from BlackRock to the tune of about $12 billion last year. In case you haven't noticed it, price of eggs has gone way up. Daybreak Insider's Keith Peter has details on a story that is no yoke. A lingering bird flu outbreak combined with soaring feed, fuel, and labor costs has led to U.S. egg prices more than doubling over the past year and hatched a lot of sticker shock on grocery aisles. The latest government data shows that the national average price for a dozen eggs hit $3.59 in November. That's putting stress on consumer budgets and the bottom line of food producers and restaurants that rely heavily on eggs as an ingredient. More than 43 million of the 58 million birds slaughtered over the past year to help control bird flu were egg-laying chickens. Keith Peters reporting. The World Health Organization claims zero tolerance for abusive behavior by staffers, but an Associated Press review finds otherwise. Daybreak Insider's Jennifer King has the details on this story. Internal documents obtained by the AP show the World Health Organization knew of 2018 sexual misconduct charges involving a staffer who was accused in a similar groping incident at a Berlin conference in October. In the first report, an employee claims Temo Wakinavalu put his toes between her legs at a post-work dinner, then followed her out and grabbed at her. At the time of the second incident, that physician still had high-level support as he sought to become WHO's top official in the Western Pacific. WHO's chief said he was horrified by the accusations. Wakanavalu was suspended and an investigation was opened. The results are still pending. I'm Jennifer King. And finally. Rock guitar legend Jeff Beck, who's often considered to be one of the greatest of all time, has died. Also, some breaking news about the death of a legend in music. Jeff Beck, the guitarist who pushed boundaries in blues, jazz, and rock and roll, has died. According to a statement on his social media accounts, Beck died yesterday after suddenly contracting bacterial meningitis. Beck first became famous as a member of the English rock band The Yardbirds and then went solo. Along the way, he became one of the most influential guitarists of all time. In the 1960s, Beck became a household name when he replaced Eric Clapton in the band The Yardbirds. A year later, Beck started his own group, the Jeff Beck Group, which featured Rod Stewart on vocals. Beck would go on later to become one of the most influential guitarists of all time, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. The first time in 1992 as a part of the Yardbirds and a second time in 2009 as a solo artist. The eight-time Grammy winner earned his first in 1985 for Best Rock Instrumental Performance for Escape. As news of Beck's passing spread, reaction poured in from across the music industry. Many musicians turned to social media to share their words. Here are a few of them. Tony Iommi shared, I was totally shocked to hear the very sad news of Jeff Beck's passing. Jeff was such a nice person and an outstanding, iconic, genius guitar player. There will never be another Jeff Beck. His playing was very special and distinctively brilliant. He will be missed. Rest in peace, Jeff. Jimmy Page wrote, 
His technique unique. His imaginations apparently limitless. Jeff, I will miss you along with your millions of fans. Jeff Beck, rest in peace. And lastly, we have Ozzy Osbourne sharing, I can't express how saddened I am to hear Jeff Beck's passing. What a terrible loss for his family, friends, and his many fans. It was such an honor to have known Jeff and an incredible honor to have had him play on my most recent album, Patient Number 9. Long live Jeff Beck. Beck is survived by his wife, Sandra, and according to his representative, was 78. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.